Imagine having all of the knowledge and resources you need to bring your mermaid dreams to life and having a community of like-minded individuals to support you and share in your adventures. What if being a mermaid was no longer just a fantasy? In my new mermaid mentorship program, we cover everything including social media, promotion and YouTube, art skill improvement, art critiques and feedback, building a mermaid brand, swimming techniques and trick troubleshooting, creating your mersona, Instagram question, Photoshop tutorials, acting underwater, mermaid tail making questions and help mermaid tail designing questions and help, how and where to buy a mermaid tail and accessories, website design help and website critique, building confidence as a mermaid, content creation and video editing and so much more. For more information on this mermazing opportunity, please visit VancouverMermaid.com. Hello, my fishes. Courtney Mermaid here, and welcome back to another episode of the Scales and Tails podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about mermaiding as a hobby versus mermaiding as a business. So this is a really popular uh, conversation topic, I find, in not just, you know, my sort of circle, but in the mermaiding community in general. A lot of people will get very, very hung up on being a pro mermaid versus just being a mermaid as a, as a hobby and enjoying it for the experience that it is. There's a lot of elitism in this community as well. And I do find that a lot of it stems from, well, excuse me, do you do this for a living? Like, oh, excuse me, do you do this and make money? So there's a whole other side to that where we could talk about like the different ways of making money as a mermaid, what actually defines being a professional mermaid, the whole thing, right? Because this was sort of a phenomenon that came about, I don't know, like, like five, ten years ago where it became a real thing to want to be. You wanted to be the professional. You wanted to be able to have it say in your Instagram profile, pro mermaid or professional mermaid or mermaid performer, any of these things. It was a real like want for a lot of people. And I, I do want to touch on this, especially since I do consider myself a professional mermaid and I do do the mermaid. I do do. <laughs> I do do. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, man, if Joey and Chandler were here right now, it's so good. But honestly, I do do this whole thing. I can get through it, I swear, full time. So everything mermaid is basically what I do for a job. So between running the YouTube channel, I've got the podcast, I make mermaid tales, um, got the Patreon pod happening, the mentorship program happening, all of these things. This is all how I basically, this is my job. This is my business now. So it's been about three-ish years that I've been doing this full time and that in itself has been quite the journey. But I do want to share with you guys a couple of my thoughts <laughs> because, um, so for those of you who don't know, maybe you're new, you haven't heard the podcast before, you don't, haven't, you know, seen me on YouTube or anything. Um, so I was in the animation industry for mm, eight years in studios and I've worked all over the place. I've, I've worked on a bunch of different things, uh, between TV shows, mobile games, uh, feature films, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of advertising, a little bit of everything, basically. And um, that was great. So let me let me tell you a little something. In high school, I was the artsy girl. I loved to draw. I loved, loved, loved. And yes, I say loved because very much past tense. I loved to draw. And I loved to design. And I loved to color. And I wouldn't say I was the most amazing at it. But I was, I was good. Like I had, I think at one point in my art, like I think it was grade 12 in art, I had like 104% or something. It was, it was ridiculous. 
And um, so I wasn't particularly good at anything else. You know, I had passions about other things, but I didn't have the same kind of natural, like, raw talent that I had. I say that as humbly as possible. I believe me, I'm not the best artist on the planet, and I'm completely aware of this fact. But at the time, I was, of my group, one of the better artists. Okay, so there it is. So, you know, okay, so you're good at art. What what kind of what kind of jobs are there in art? Because you should do what you love, right? Oh my god. <laughs> so, anyways, I get um, I I I eventually two attempts later get into uh, animation school because, like I said, I'm not not the best, right? But I had to work really hard and I did it. So that was fine. Um, until my hobby, because art was my passion and was my hobby. And I think you can probably see where I'm going with this. That became my full-time experience. That was my whole school. We used to draw. So we would be in classes from nine until probably like three or four. Uh, between all of that, you had like maybe an hour for lunch. Or maybe you'd have a couple of classes in between that weren't study drawing. But we would do anywhere from four to six hours a day of drawing. And it didn't, it was either animating, life drawing, whatever it was. And it became a real, um, it became a real task. I don't want to call it a chore because at the time I was very passionate about it. The struggle was real, you guys, because I was not the best in that class. I went from being the best in my, in my year, in my school, to being, um, way at the bottom. I was not the best by a very, very, very long shot. It was, uh, I was waitlisted twice. Okay, you guys. But again, if you want something bad enough, you'll find a way to make it happen. So graduate from that. Uh, there's a whole story. I eventually get hired. But now the thing that I loved to do so much is my job. So what do I do for a hobby? What do I do for fun? And I remember going through a whole period of time where I would try to draw and, you know, paint and, and do things on my own time. And it just wasn't happening. It wasn't happening. I was getting... I'd feel anxious and like hot and warm and like I couldn't, it was stressful and you know, I couldn't figure out and I would scrap and I would start again and I wouldn't save and I'd cry and I'd be upset and I just couldn't do it. And so I stopped drawing for a hobby. Stuff, that, I'm not going to go my whole life story here, but we come full circle and mermaiding becomes a thing. It had been kind of a thing while I was in school, but it was very like spandex tails that weren't painted. It was very much not something that I would have considered to be an artistic extension of myself, right? So it wasn't something that I had figured out. By the time I made it to 2011, however, now we were figuring out the painted tails. And that was a discovery. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm still artistic. I can, I can do this and I can, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I was really excited. Okay, so that's great. Do that for a couple of years. <laughs> And then I decide, because I'm me, and I have, have, for reasons, okay, I've touched on this in a few other episodes, you may have figured this out by now, I'm not neurotypical, and I will fixate on things, uh, like, I very, very, very intensely, and I can really only, like, allocate so much of my brain power to, to two different tasks, it doesn't really work very well, so I was like, alright, look, I want to do the mermaid thing full-time because I thought that was such a good idea. And <laughs> so I found a way to do it. Um, and I've been doing it now for three or four years now, full-time, mind you. 
And uh, that's great. Except now, what's my hobby, you guys? Because the wanting to draw, that never came back. I, I don't ever draw just for the sake of wanting to draw. That is completely gone. It's a really sad thing, and I really hate saying it out loud. Um, and this isn't true of everybody. I do have friends in the animation industry who still very much enjoy drawing. It, it really did change the experience for me. And I do like doing it as a job. Like if I ever, you know, I don't, for whatever reason, went back to the animation industry or I do take freelance periodically. So, you know, I still enjoy doing it in that kind of a capacity, but it is no longer the kind of thing that I reach to as a meditative sit down at the end of a very long day in an office and just draw. I don't do that anymore. I don't find myself, the only time I maybe doodle a little bit is if I'm on the phone with somebody and I'm on hold or I'm talking to somebody like, I don't know, MasterCard or just off the top of my head or Amazon or whatever it is. I'll do like maybe a little doodle here and there, but never really just for the honest to sake of just fun. So mermaiding, Okay, that for me was the only escape I had from a situation in my life. There was a almost a year of my life, which was uh, <laughs> not good. Let's just, I'm not going to go into details, but it wasn't good. It wasn't good. And mermaiding was pretty much the only thing that kept my head above water. And it was the only reason for, for just anything. Okay, I'm not going to, yeah, the only reason for anything. We don't want to get too deep here. But I held on to that with every fiber of my being. So when I turned that into my job, how do I find the balance, right? You do need to really, really know yourself well before you decide to take something that you are truly passionate about and turn it into your profession, to turn it into your full-time paying job where you, because it becomes a job. A job is like, I mean, like any job, like I've worked at banks, I've worked at pet stores, a dog bather, groomer, the whole training, the whole thing. I've done a little bit here, a little bit there. I worked in retail. I've done it all, okay? <laughs> it's super fun. Um, but the thing is, is at the end of the day, you clock out, right? And you go home and you have hobbies and you have things that you do. When you turn your your passionate side project thing that was just for the love of it and just for fun, when you turn that into the thing that pays your your mortgage or your rent or your car payments or insert whatever adult thing that you need to uh, you need to fund and or pay for, it really changes the dynamic. So really make sure that you sit down with yourself and ask yourself because there is nothing wrong with being a mermaid just for the hobby side of it. I say just because some days I honestly miss it just being a hobby. Okay, I miss just like not having to bring a camera with me to the pool and just going for the sake of swimming with my friends and not worrying about anything else, right? So, and it is still something that I struggle with, though I do try and have times where, you know, if the camera comes out, it's for a couple of clips for maybe a vlog or something, and then we actually have some proper time. You know, being a mermaid is a lot about that social aspect of it for a lot of people. I do find that to be quite true. You know, they call it a mermaid pod for a reason. And it's because there's more than one mermaid. <laughs> and you want to spend time with your family and your fishes. And I think a lot of us come to this uh, hobby and this profession out of a need to have a family that maybe we don't have for whatever reason the same way that we did, or, you know, maybe our family was lost, or maybe our family passed away, or, you know, whatever rings true for you. But I know a lot of people will come to this out of a need to have that sense of family and that sense of belonging. 
And when you do turn it into your job, sometimes that can get lost in the need to, to be around people. And then you'll find yourself feeling off one day. You'll be like, well, well, hang on a second. One of my needs isn't being met. And that's because you replaced that need with a need for the almighty dollar. <laughs> so, you know, I say this and I'm looking at these photos I've got um, on my little board to my left from my computer monitor, which I'm currently facing to paint you kind of a word picture here. I've got the cute little Pegasus, little Disney Pegasus. And then I've got some pictures. I, uh, you know, some of my favorite moments from swimming with my my friends. And I've got Ripple the Mermaid and Nerdmaid Faith, Mermaid Kim, Biosa. You know, we just, I look at this and I just think to myself, like, these are such beautiful, powerful moments. And yeah, I caught them on film because I was filming and that's important to me too. But I also think about all the moments that happened around those key moments where I wasn't filming. And they're just memories that are just for me. So if you're somebody who's sitting there and you're thinking, well, you know, I really want to be thought of as a, as a professional. I really want to be, you know, I don't know. It can also, it comes back to competition as well. It's okay. I want to tell you this, like straight up. It is okay to just do you. You do not have to impress anybody. You do not have to do this for anybody but you. If you're sitting there right now and you're worried that that people are going to look down on you for not being a, you know, air quote, professional mermaid, those people aren't your people, okay? If somebody's going to look down their nose at you because you want to do this for fun and for enjoyment, for meditation, for a break from reality... Those are not the people for you, and you should not be trying to impress these people. They are not worth your time. Believe me. Trust, like, I promise. I am not lying to you. This is a fact, okay? She says, from mighty experience. I'm not kidding. You can do this just for you. If you want to do this as a business, you want to do this as a job, absolutely, yes! Do it! The more the merrier. Let's bring on the mermaid awesome, okay? Absolutely. But don't feel like you have to just because somebody's pressuring you. You know, I do know mermaids who will uh, have a side hustle, but purely so that they can pay for their mermaid adventures as well. That's also completely fine. But just make sure that you are keeping yourself in balance. Do make sure that you're asking yourself regularly, how am I feeling right now about this? I know it seems silly. I know, like, listen, I know it seems silly, but I've experienced burnout, like, full-on, like, sick-on-the-floor burnout. <laughs> Maybe that was a bit too visual for you. Um, at least three times doing this as a job. I could talk about it one day. The, I, I got so sick once. I'd hit, like, my absolute cap for burnout. We were living at the old apartment. I'll, I'll save this hole because it's quite gruesome. But I was, I was like, done. Okay, I was at the absolute end of my rope. I was finished. I didn't think I was ever going to recover from that, man. I really didn't. I didn't think I was going to come back to this. I didn't think that I could. I didn't think that my body would let me at that point, you know? So you do need to be very honest with yourself and make sure that you're getting out of this what you want to get out of this. Not with somebody else. And if it's friends or family or other mermaids who are pressuring you, oh, you should do this as a job or people will take you more seriously if you're professional. Like... The only person who needs to take you seriously is you. And you better be taking yourself seriously. In whatever capacity that may be, you better hold yourself to that, to that higher, um, not standard, but 
you better care about yourself more, is what I'm trying to say. Boy, that sounds quite harsh. I don't mean it in a harsh way. I hope you know that. What I mean is that above and beyond all else, you need to value yourself and what your actual wants are. Because other people, if you, like, if you don't have a value set for yourself, you don't know what you stand for, you don't know what matters to you, other people will decide that for you. And you will end up being very miserable and very unhappy with the situation that you've gotten yourself into. And it's not, it isn't so easy sometimes to say, well, I don't want to do this or I don't want to do that or I do want to do this and this is really important to me. It takes practice. It really does. I'm not perfect. I'm really not perfect. <laughs> I still very much struggle with feeling guilt if I say no to something or guilt if I say yes to something. It really does take time. Don't don't give yourself a hard time over that. It's a, it's a it's a process. Right? Take small steps. So the next time that you're, you know, you're going through your feed and you're you're looking at what other people are doing, if you come across somebody and you're like, oh my god, like I need to do what this person's doing. I should do exactly what this person's doing, in fact. Just pause, because that's a red flag. Pause and ask yourself why. Ask yourself if it is something that would really bring you joy and happiness, as my mom would say. <laughs> a little joy and happiness. Is it something that would improve your life? Is it something that would improve your experience, you know, as, be you know, as a mermaid? in the hobby sense or a business sense? Is it something that you really and truly are passionate about? Or is it something that you just see that inspires you? Or maybe it's something you don't need to see at all. Maybe this, if this gave you that negative, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? I can't, no. Yeah, <laughs> I mean this with love and all the respect in the world for the people who spend a lot of time on their Instagram feeds. But very often if I come across something and it makes me feel like I'm less of a mermaid, I will unfollow. And it's not because I don't like the person. It's not because I don't think what they're doing is cool. It's because I have to be very, very careful. I'm a very, I'm a highly sensitive person. And I have to be super careful with what I let myself see on the internet. It can take one post and I'll just go curl up in bed for the rest of the day. And I'm not exaggerating. So if you can relate to that on any level... It is important to just kind of watch how you're feeling. Watch how you're feeling, watch what you're consuming, and don't let it don't let it bring you down. You're doing what you're doing. And I think it's it's got to be the most precious thing, right? Like, okay, so who there was a man, I should have saved this comic. I feel so dumb because this is going to be like the fifth podcast episode, not in a row, but over this last season where I've mentioned this, but it was this beautiful little comic, right? And I'm going to totally butcher it now because I haven't got it in front of me. <laughs> but this little girl has this little flower that she's been tending to and she loves and, you know, she's been watering and she's been taking good care of it. And she's walking down the street with it one day. And there's these two other girls with their potted little flowers. And they're sparkling and they're, you know, little fireworks and they're beautiful, huge flowers. And they're just stunning. And the little girl, she looks down at her flower and she's like, well, like, I don't want this. I want that. This is stupid. What the hell is this? I don't even... And she tosses it and the little... God, like, it makes me cry, you guys. It's so bad. But the little pot breaks and the little plant's just sitting there and it looks so sad. Oh my God. What did I tell you? Highly sensitive person. I'm not even kidding. But then later on, she realizes all of the attention and time that those girls put in to the love and care for their plants. And their plants are different species. They're going to grow at a different rate. So... 
you know, so she she repots her little plant, like she fixes it up and she starts taking care of it. And she says, no, I love this because it's mine. It's my plant and I'm going to water it. I'm going to love it and take care of it. And, you know, I hope that you guys can see the kind of message that's in there. Your mermaiding experience, that was like, I'm not sure I have like <laughs> not enough saliva in my mouth or something, but your mermaid experience is yours and yours alone. It is unique to you and you can make it whatever you want to make it. And you can take the time to to nurture and grow and, and water essentially, haha, your mermaid experience and let it grow and blossom into whatever you want it to be. And if you want it to be a business, yes. If you want it to be a hobby, yes. It can be whatever you want it to be. But that's exactly it. It's got to be whatever you want it to be. And not so much worrying about what everybody else is doing. Let those people do what they're doing. So I hope that got kind of just, I know we touched on a lot of different bases. I know we covered a lot of different things. I was on a bit of a roll today. So this is my second episode filming or recording rather back to back in the afternoon. Guys, it was quiet for five minutes. So I thought I would take advantage of the situation. But all that being said, you know, let me know what you guys struggle with when it comes to this. Have you been pressured into wanting to become um, a professional mermaid? Have you, uh, you know, only ever wanted to do this as a hobby, which is totally fine, right? Like, let me know. Um, you know, send me a message over on Instagram. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to share it in your stories and then make sure you at Vancouver Mermaid me so that I can also share it. We can get some get some good vibes out there to the people who need to hear it because I feel like this is such a common, 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 common question as everywhere. Everybody wants to know. <laughs> Everybody's got the question. So hopefully this helped you guys. I hope you enjoyed it. I want to thank you so much for listening. I love you, my fishes, and I look forward to chatting with you all again soon. Happy swimming. Bye.